0: Your state, your team, your show. This is Sports Nightly.
1: Bowers awaits the shotgun snap, sends the tight end in motion. they roll right, Bowers throws, pass, is not going to it, e. Sullivan knocks the football
2: away,
3: and the Huskers have a goal line stand taking over at the one.
0: Now, let's check the pulse of Husker Nation with your hosts, Greg Sharp and Ben McLaughlin.
1: Wow, well, we've made it to a Friday of just a pretty normal week, right?
0: <laughs>
1: Far from it. What a roller coaster of a week. But we've survived. We made it to Friday. And thank you for being part of this one with us here tonight. We're glad you're on board for a couple of hours of sports signing. Looking forward to chatting with you all for the next couple of hours. Well, the heat continues, Ben McLaughlin, on Big Ten Commissioner Kevin Warren Not for Nebraska. No, 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 Nebraska. Nebraska's, you know, they're being good, good little boys sitting in the corner being quiet right now. But uh, some parents starting to get after the Big Ten commissioner. A group of Iowa parents hand-delivered a letter today to the conference headquarters in Chicago requesting a meeting with the commissioner and get direct answers and to have a say in the decision-making process. In the letter, Iowa parents asked to be responded to by by August 19th. They said, quote, the Big Ten had months to develop a strategic plan, but instead chose to leave it up to each individual school, creating confusion, inconsistency, and no plan of action. There is time to fix the wrongdoings and come out as leaders. We strongly encourage the Big Ten to reconsider playing the fall college football season, develop a plan of meaningful action, and letting these young adults be included in the decision-making process. Um, And then uh, multiple Ohio State, shame on the Buckeyes, their parents, reached out to ESPN on Friday expressing both confusion and outrage about the Big Ten's abrupt pivot from practicing to pausing. Master Teague, love that name. He's a running back for the Buckeyes. His dad, Corey Teague, said it's unacceptable. It's something that needs more explanation because when you go in a certain direction and days later it changes, and no one has spoken to anyone else, and players weren't able to get involved in the decision. And the protocols that were put in by Ohio State were very successful. It's unfortunate, and I don't know if short-sightedness, if it's short-sightedness, lack of leadership, but it's definitely something that needs to be rectified, and more dialogue needs to happen. It's a very messy situation, and we want to clean it up. What do you make of this little revolt coming from some of the players and their parents? I think we ought to just kick those insubordinate teams out of the league, don't you think? <laughs> I think we ought
4: to just get them out of here.
1: Um,
4: it's First of all, it's just nice. It's nice to have, and, and they're not even doing it to back Nebraska, which I think even adds some validity to it. Um They're just, they're, they're speaking their minds. They're speaking candidly. They're speaking honestly. And I think, Greg, the biggest thing for me is it continues to be puzzling the medical information misinformation that we're getting and and, and the the opposite sides that we're on on this thing. I, I just can't understand how we continue to be get advice from these experts and here at Nebraska the UNMC crew who have done such a great job in and providing the university with uh, with their information and and you know protocols and such to to make sure that their student athletes are as safe as possible and from all accounts it's working everything is working and i know ohio state had to shut things down for a while up there but i mean clearly they feel safe enough to where players parents are getting involved and and saying that you know th- this is what's happening and the other thing that i think is a, is a giant misconception is and coach frost addressed this at his press conference when players are testing positive they're not getting it from their teammates they're getting it from outside sources they're getting it when they're going fishing or they're going to the bars or they're going bowling or whatever it is that's where they're picking it up when they're at home or when they're out with their friends it's not in a team facility it's not in a locker room it's not in a weight room it's not on a field and and look we understand it here in Nebraska I think there's not very many instances where Nebraska and Iowa are going to team up on anything but this is one of them. I, I think Iowa has been another school. I, even Iowa fans, I know that they're they're usually public enemy number one to Husker fans. But I've most of the backlash I've seen on Twitter that hasn't been from Nebraska fans have been from Iowa fans to these national writers going, "Uh, well, we agree with them. We we want to play." So you know, I think that. It's eye-opening, and I hope it's sending a message to the commissioner because the other thing I wanted to bring up, Greg, is we are now living in a world where Nebraska was threatened to be kicked out of their league for wanting to play games, but the Ohio Valley Conference has structured it in a way to where teams are allowed to play up to four non-conference games if they so choose. So the Ohio Valley can figure it out, but yet Kevin Warren of the Big Ten, who – uh, people in the in the National Football League were doing cartwheels and somersaults when that guy was removed from their league, are are now having to to sit back and watch the Ohio Valley Conference piece together a non conference schedule to keep their athletic
1: departments afloat. Yeah, that that was really kind of the take of Dirk Chatland's column. We had Dirk on the program a couple of nights ago. He was basically saying in a pandemic a good conference would give their schools options. Hey, if you can get some games in, go for it. We just we just don't think it's safe enough for all 14 schools, but if you feel like you can get a couple games in, go for it. Try to save some some money, uh, save some employees jobs, go for it. You got to be bendable in this thing, and that's where the Big 10 didn't come off like that at all. Even Wisconsin, a couple of their players have come out in the last hour or two kind of saying a lot of the same things that we're hearing from the Iowa camp and the Ohio State camp about how come we weren't consulted in all this? How come our opinion didn't matter at all and whether we wanted to play or not? Um, This afternoon, the Pac-12, Ben, did release even more of their medical information, some of the things that they were looking at. It's transparent. You can agree or disagree with what's there, but it's kind of transparent. It's something badly and sorely missing from the Big Ten is any kind of transparency about what have what did you collect from your medical people to sway the vote to say to shut it down. Again, Kevin Warren got asked that by Dave Rebson. He fumbled through that answer as well. It's like the Big Ten doesn't want to share uh, the information at all. Several different publications are saying that the vote, which Kevin Warren would not say was unanimous or not, we all know it wasn't, was very, very close. Some publications are, have done a poll or not. they've done some research, and they think it was an 8-6 vote to shut it down. So you could probably go through and figure out which of the six schools. Nebraska's obviously one of those that didn't feel like it should shut down. So still continued pressure on Kevin Warren and not coming from Nebraska. That, and that kind of makes it nice that you kind of feel like, okay, there are some people in this league that might have Nebraska's back and feel the same way Nebraska does. Yeah, I used the word fumble and I've heard
4: that word a lot when describing Kevin Warren. One thing's for sure, we don't want to give him the ball near the goal line because he'll put it on the carpet. <laughs> um, you know, I think I think too, you know, to hear it from all these different entities, the the constant message is why release the schedule and then and then come out with all of this factual-based evidence from your experts. And, and here's the thing. Here's how simple it is, Greg. If that is indeed the case, if, if, if you were instructed by all these medical professionals, let's just say in that six-day window. Did it happen in that six-day window? Absolutely not. There's no way that all this information came to light by the time the Big Ten released their schedule and they blew the whistle on the whole thing. There's no way that that's, that window is when the information was presented. But let's just, for, for instance, say that it was. The schedule was released on, what, a Wednesday? Let's yeah. just say maybe that Monday. They all got together with their experts and said, you know what, this is, this is the deal. We don't think it's safe. All you had to do was say that. All you had to come out and do is say, I know we released the schedule on Wednesday. We didn't have the meeting until Monday with the experts and the professionals who gave us this information. They, they just recommend it's too risky. And you can use all those cliche lines that you want to use. But that's all you got to say because – that 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 erases that question immediately, but you can tell that then that that's too easy of an answer to give That information was given way before that schedule was released, and so that continues to be the biggest point of frustration for not just Nebraska fans but i I think it's safe to say most of the teams around the conference or a bunch of the teams around the conference um He's done a terrible job, just truly, truly a terrible job. There's no way to sugarcoat it. And, and like I said, this is this is something that's going to ruin his reputation for as long as he's the commissioner, in my opinion. I I think it's been that bad of a job and that poorly handled. And, and, the, and the thing that makes me the most mad and frustrated about this whole thing is the amount of time that's been elapsed and passed for him to be so ill-prepared for this thing. Again, if this kind of just exploded in a 48- to 72-hour window, you can understand how you could be in over your head. You could understand how, man, all this is happening so quick, I don't really know what to do. He's had five months to figure it out. He's had five months, multiple months of summer to figure it out, come up with a plan, try and implement it. These protocols apparently were working in a lot of places, but I guess not working enough or at enough places to say, okay, let's go play. Ben, I
1: don't think we'll ever be privy to that information. I think that stuff has hit the shredder. It's gone. I don't think they're going to be forthright on this stuff at all. I think they feel like the decision's been made. We're moving on despite all these calls from parents of players to say we need to know what went into the decision. A couple other things that are interesting today. I've been making the talk show circuit. I've been on shows in Kansas and Oklahoma and Texas asking about all of this interesting note when i was down in texas they shared with me that the big 12 conference has gone outside their league ben outside their footprint to get medical advice one of the people that they went to is unmc unmc is advising the big 12 conference duke university is advising the Big 12 conference. The Mayo Clinic is advising the Big 12 conference. They didn't want it to be, slay, you know, their opinion swayed by maybe Baylor's medical facility or Texas's or whoever it might be in that league, So they, which is smart, I think. They went outside their league borders and said, we want your opinion on these things, and one of them happened to be UNMC. That was shared with me today. I thought that was really interesting and really, really smart uh, on their part to do that as they still try to, you know, wrestle with this thing. It's not for certain they're going to play either. And you started seeing some comments from some of the ADs. Joe Casiglione at Oklahoma made that comment today. It's still probably an uphill battle that any of those conferences are going to play this year. I think our biggest beef with the Big Ten is – What happened in six days, and why pull the plug now? Why not be patient? See what happens when students start getting back on campus and see if you do have a large spike in cases. One other thing I want to get to that's kind of funny to me, and I'd rather be talking about what I'm going to about talk about, Ben, than what we were talking about. The SEC had a football coaches conference call yesterday and apparently got pretty heated as some coaches were wondering how did they pick the two extra games to be added to their schedule. And we were laughing last week that Missouri's two extra games were Alabama and LSU. that got added to the Tigers' Mm -hmm. extra games. So apparently some of the coaches were really adamant. They wanted to know who, who drew the names, how did it come about. Nobody really had answers, so the coaches in that league are really unhappy about some of this. One coach says it was clear favoritism was played in this thing. Um, And another one said, because we're getting pounded with all these questions from the press about it, and we don't have any answers, we don't know what to say, because, let's be honest, there was no formula. So the SEC coaches are mad at their league right now for the way they picked the two extra games for them to play a conference-only 10-game schedule in that league. I would much rather be debating that, Ben, than I would be about medical protocols and all the stuff that we're doing, but that's kind of funny.
4: I'd much rather be pissed at Kevin Warren for giving us (laughs) Penn State, Michigan, and Ohio State on the road than... Just banging the whole thing all together, and you know it, it is funny that that's the case. Speaking of the SEC, it hasn't taken long for them to start using their pitch to student athletes in the Big Ten oh, conference. Yeah, Nicole Arbach, who has been all over the the medical side of this thing, put out a tweet today saying, "Oh, that's so sad. It's so sad." Of it. what do you think? This is big time Division One recruiting. You. <laughs> You didn't think it was going to happen? Like it's so naive. Yeah. I mean what what do you think? Like Oh man, like that's so far like from oh, reality of I, of I what saw her. Competitive recruiting is even like like if if that appalls her, you should hear some of the recruiting stories that I've heard oh. from from the from the coaches that aren't coaching anymore that I that I've been around. I mean, the stories that that they tell and they come around, even when it comes to just one offs. Like it's not something that is an individual pattern, but it might it might be one certain kid. The lengths that some schools to go to, and you think that was going to be off the table? What <laughs> planet do you live on? Like obviously, that was going to be the. That would have that would've that would have taken less than twelve hours for me if I was an SEC coach and one of those kids puts out his little final four or whatever and three of them are big ten schools like I'm getting that number on speed dial. That I mean that to say that it's not right, come on. Come on. You co-
1: you're supposed to be covering this sport for a living and you didn't think that was gonna happen? I, I saw her post that and I'm like are you that naive come on that was going to be the exact first thing that happens what we've all been saying and it kind of goes back to what Scott Frost said on Monday and, and it's sort of related to this I'm making a bit of a stretch here but he said we haven't talked enough in the last month and a half about what happens when we don't if we don't play this fall this is a side effect of that if these other leagues play Get to play and pull it off, Ben. It is not going to be good for Nebraska and the Big Ten Conference. Although, and some national writer did point this out, because Nebraska. Raised the issues earlier this week about trying to find ways to play. This national writer said Nebraska can combat the argument that Nicole was talking about because they can go. We sure tried. Our league wouldn't want us, but you know we want to play. So if, if anything, maybe Nebraska that can be a nice spin for Nebraska to be able to use. No doubt. I mean, yeah. I mean, Nebraska just combats
4: that. saying they threatened to ki- the commissioner threatened to kick us out if if we pursued any further. So you know, we, we, we had to stand down, but man, I mean, I, I absolutely could not believe another national writer put out something that like, what's going on? Like, have these, have these national writers been on, you know, COVID watch or, or quarantined so long, they forgot how to do their jobs. Like it's mind boggling to me where we're at and covering this pandemic in our conference it it absolutely blows my mind uh some of the comments some of the articles some of the tweets made by some of these people and and there's been a few not all of them there have been there have been some that i think have gained a lot of respect to Husker fans Andy Staples uh there's the the Mike Farrell from Rivals there are a few of them that are going what what do you what is going on here that that have called out some of their colleagues because it has been it has been a tough go for some national writers this week.
1: All right, if you have some thoughts about this, here's our new number, 531 500 That also doubles as our brand-new U.S. secular text line. So if you don't have time, the ability to make a phone call, don't want to be on hold, whatever it may be, but want to shoot us a thought through a text. You can do that same thing at 531-546-86. That's our U.S. cellular text line, the official wireless provider of Husker Athletics. All right, coming up here in a couple of minutes, we'll have this week's edition of the Husker Huddle. Jeremiah Searle's is going to sit down with Stanley Morgan, who's into year number two in the National Football League. A lot of NFL camps opened up today. He's with the Cincinnati Bengals trying to fight his way onto another team Loved watching, loved covering Stanley's career here at Nebraska. Can't wait to hear from him, and I'm hoping he gets a fair shake. Uh, I think he's got a chance to get a fair shake, so hopefully that happens for him. So that Husker Huddle is coming up next.
5: Welcome back to another edition of Husker Huddle presented by Sapp Brothers where they say welcome, be our guest. Today we're very, very excited to be joined by former Nebraska Cornhusker wide receiver, current Cincinnati Bengal wide receiver, Stanley Morgan. How are you, my friend? Doing good, doing good. Nice to see you, man. Absolutely, man. It's been too long. First of all, I just want to say thank you so much for coming out to my golf tournament Um, this past uh, couple weekends ago, Tyson's Treasure Chest. You, Tommy, Seaton, and Ferguson came out. And it was great to have you there. We raised almost $18,000. And so I, I really just want to say thank you so much from myself and the rest of the board for coming out and supporting that cause.
6: Oh, It was awesome, man. I had a wonderful time.
5: Fantastic, man. Well, let's dive into a little bit here. We haven't got a great chance to catch up with you, really, since your whole rookie year here. Husker Nation has been watching you from afar do your thing, as they're so used to seeing you do on Saturdays here at Memorial. But how was rookie year for you? Kind of walk us through that a little bit.
6: Uh, rookie year, it, it was It was great for me. Uh, early on, it was, uh, you know, pretty tough. You know, you don't have to, that transition, you know, you have to get in your mind that, you know everything is a business now so i kind of got locked into my own self a little bit and just was was locked in very focused and just going through it and you know just listening to the vets on my team and uh taking it in one day at a time you know just just kind of like blocking out everything on the outside just to dial in and focus on me and just get to the next step and uh get get past that rookie year
5: I mean, I think that everyone that goes into the NFL has some type of expectation of what to expect. I mean, what did that look like for you? Was it about what you expected? Was it harder? Was it easier? What were you kind of thinking going into your rookie year? Uh,
6: I was kind of thinking uh, it was going to be uh, just – it kind of was like I expected it to be, you know, vets, you know, just kind of tough love. But actually the vets on my team are A.J., Tyler Boyd, and having Seaton Carter there, and uh, it was kind of – easier for me to look at those guys and see how they do they there go about their days so it, it wasn't too hard but it was a uh, eye-opening for me very eye-opening.
5: So you mentioned a couple of those vets did you run into any vets that hazed you or gave you a hard time or you knew just like I, I got to stay away from these guys man they're gonna give me they're gonna get me in trouble. Well
6: yeah, that's the thing. I I, I kind of came in there, you know, uh, as a rookie, just knowing what a rookie's supposed to do. You know, I, I'm I'm an old soul guy, you know, I grew up with my parents, grandparents. So I went in there knowing, you know, not to overstep my boundaries, mm. you know, not to go in there and just, you know, talk, trash, and nothing like that. Just kind of taking the process and enjoy the process. But I didn't have too much hazening now.
5: Oh, that's great. It means you got the waters. You didn't whine about getting the waters, all that stuff. I wish every rookie was like you, because we ran into a few crazy ones as well. Well, you got to play with Andy Dalton last year, who's now moved on to Greener Pastures. And now you get Joe Burrows coming in, man. Have you got a chance to talk with him at all or throw with him at all? Or did you guys get together at all, kind of on a location somewhere other than the facility?
6: Uh, we were working on that this weekend, uh, this week, actually, because uh, COVID kind of, you know, messed a lot of things right. up with us. And we were supposed to get that going, actually, during the off season, but we couldn't because, uh, you know, COVID messed a lot of people right. up.
5: Yeah, I mean, I think that you have, a, you have a great young team there. I think you guys are poised to do some good things. You're in a tough division up there with the Steelers and all those guys. But I think that people are going to kind of underlook you guys this year. I think you guys got some really quality talent all around there. So... We get through your rookie year here, Stan, and you go into what is now your first true off season. Um, I think people sometimes this off season makes or breaks it for a lot of players. What did you do this off season to really re- reinvent yourself, keep perfecting your craft, and just continue to work to become a better player?
6: I actually worked harder. I mean, mm-hmm. going into your uh, first season, uh, coming off your rookie year, I mean, is you see you see. You see what your potential can be. You know, you get out there, and you get the jitters out, and then you go into the off season. And you figure out ways. What can I do to, you know, get to the next level in my game and get back to feeling comfortable with myself? You know how I used to feel. It's like every every step. It's like going from high school to college, going from college to the NFL, and you you find a new level you can reach. And I feel like it's as a, as a as an athlete, it's it's levels that you can't reach. You can always reach a new level and and get to that new level so just pushing myself extra harder and just grinding through and grinding through workouts that I couldn't grind through in college and high school and getting better every every day and pushing myself and pushing myself and pushing myself
5: Where where did you do your off-season training at? Uh, I was in Nebraska. I'm uh I was working at
6: uh Slash Performance and I did a little off-season workout with coach Dub of course uh mm-hmm. just grinding out there in Nebraska.
5: That's nice, man. It's always good to have a crew together. I know when I was training, it was like myself, Quali, Spencer Long. So it was good to have the Nebraska boys come back and, and just get back here where it's quiet, no one bothers you, and you can kind of do your yeah. own thing. Yes. So, so yeah, absolutely. So, Stan, let's let's talk a little bit here about what your expectations for yourself coming into year two is. Um, I know a lot of guys kind of have some expectations, but you know now that with no OTAs, with very limited training camp, like reps are going to be in an absolute premium. What are you doing to prepare yourself for this limited camp so that when your first Sunday rolls around, you're on the ground running? Just knowing
6: knowing every, every position, not just – the Z position or the X position, knowing everything I have to do on special teams, on uh on every receiver uh position, and just trying to make it to where I know every single thing that's happening on the field. So if you know so happy, you know a man needs a uh, backup or goes down, I I'm there to fill in that spot and with no question, no uh no expectations, just just getting there head first. You know, just knowing every little thing every little every little detail that I didn't know last year as a rookie you know just out there playing rather than just you know just know everything
5: how was the transition from the Scott Frost fast tempo offense of run and gun I mean get it players call as you can to the NFL very advanced very detailed playbook did you have any trouble with that or is that something you were able to pick up fairly quickly
6: uh, well, actually, we had a, kind of a pro-style offense before uh, Frost came in there. So True. it kind of helped me a little bit, you know. But in the NFL, you know, uh, you have to know every little detail. Mm-hmm. I mean, down to, and, you know, just every little detail. And that was just a transition right there, just to turn myself into a more of a, a business football player, rather just, just, uh, just, just a football player out there playing off a of guy given talent, just turning myself into that that guy who's studying the playbook, studying my opponents every week and getting ready, even on uh, special teams.
5: Yeah, man, you got to make best friends with the special teams if uh, you want to make that team. man. I'm glad to hear you're doing things the right way, Stan. And we knew you would from what you've done here in the stadium here on Saturdays. So let's talk a little bit about what our boys are going to do this fall, so we hope in Memorial Stadium. I know that with the departure of J.D. Spielman, that's a huge hole that you have to fill here at Nebraska. I think Adrian Martinez primed to have a big year. Now that you've been a full year removed, you still are very much in contact and know these guys still. I mean, you're still not that far removed. What are some things you're looking for specifically from the wide receiver room in this 2020 Huskers team?
6: Uh, just guys to, you know, just, just step up and just and be more vocal, you know, it's, just, it's it's a receiver room. You know, guys just get, you know, they want to just be great and be a, a what would you say, uh, lead by example. It's mm. uh, just more of an old school getting after guys and each other. And that's one thing, you know, that I wish I would have did more when I was there. So I wish they just carry that on and just, you know, hold hold each other accountable, you know, just everybody just doing their job and trusting in the guy beside you and uh, that would take
5: them a long way. I mean, this offense is primed to have some pretty good success, but we all know it starts with Adrian Martinez. You got to be here with him as a young pup and really kind of guide him along. You were, in very many respects, his safety blanket. Had his struggles last year. What do you expect out of him this year?
6: I expect him to come back strong. I mean, just. He's, had, he's he's got his feet wet. I, I expect him to come back and just be a leader that I, I, I knew he you know I knew he could be as a freshman because when he came in he was always just he was always a leader. He was always there. You know it just it takes some time sometimes just to figure it out you know and just to get a, accustomed to that uh, college lifestyle. So this year I'm, I'm expecting some big things from my guy because he's always had that leader ability.
5: You got to go against some really good guys, I mean Lamar Jackson, DiCaprio, Boodle, those guys on the back end here for Nebraska as well. They have a pretty solid back end. Is there a dark horse back there that you're excited to watch on the black shirts this year?
6: Uh, I'm excited to watch uh, Marquel dis- dispute this year. Uh, I'm ex- very excited to see him break out. Uh, Decap, he's all you know. He's always a solid guy. You know, just just these black shirts. I mean, they, they they're coming in with some guys this year, so I, I'm excited to watch those guys just fall out and just be that, be those black shirts, I know they can
5: be. I know you're probably watching these videos like I am from the War Daddy, posting them on Twitter here. Do you miss putting 500 pounds on your back every other day?
6: <laughs> a little bit.
5: <laughs> I know you're a big weight room guy there, Stan. What? How's that changed, I guess? Are you still a big heavy lifter, or have you kind of adapted your training a little bit?
6: Uh no, I'm 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 pretty much a big heavy lifter. You know, just you know, like I said, pushing myself. So I'm 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 still sticking with sticking with the squats, mm-hmm. but I, I don't put seven seven 600 on my back. <laughs> Maybe I'll stop at five something.
5: That's awesome. Well, Stanley, we appreciate you joining us today on Husker Huddle presented by Sap Brothers. Sap Brothers is our top priority is to keep guests and teammates safe. Sap Brothers offering full service at the pump as our nation relies now more than ever on drivers and farmers to provide essentials to our communities. Sap Brothers is con- committed to serving you. Stan, before we let you go, man, do you have anything that you want to say to Husker Nation here as they're about to embark on your 2020 season?
6: You already know. Go Big Red!
5: Hey, I love it, man! You're the band. You're the best. Appreciate you joining us here, and we'll be sure to keep an eye out for you on the field this year. And you're gonna kill it, man! We're excited for you.
6: Yes, sir. Thank you,
5: Stanley Morgan. This week's
1: a feature on Husker Huddle by with Jeremiah Searles. Great to have Stanley joining us on our Sports Only Hotline. Brought to you by the Woodhouse Auto Family, bringing you more choices in brands locations and service experience the difference purchase with confidence this is Woodhouse. obviously that interview was conducted before the, the stoppage of the big 10 season we had to catch up with stanley before he headed off to his nfl camp in cincinnati all right phone lines back open 531 500 4686 500 4686 you can also use that number to texas i've got some texts that we'll get into that take some calls Ben will come back next Thank you. We're back Friday night. How about that? We made it to another week. This one was a hard one to get through. I'll be the first to admit that. It has been a roller coaster ride of emotions for a lot of folks that uh, follow Husker football, Husker sports with the cancellation of the fall sports. Tim has been getting into some text fights. So I, I, we got to clear some of this up before we launch into the hour here. Um, we, we've been talking about the fall championships have been canceled. And then we had a question about the the FBS college football playoff. So that's canceled too, right? No, no, it's not. They're separate. The NCAA does not have any jurisdiction, none, not a zip, over FBS football, which is what Nebraska plays in, the the big-time football. NCAA doesn't have anything to say over that. What has been canceled are the fall sports volleyball. Soccer, cross country, those are the three that affect Nebraska sports. Those have been canceled for the fall, but not FBS football. Now, it may all get canceled because the the, the three power conferences may decide to pull the plug over the next month before they get games underway, the Big 12, the SEC, the ACC. But as of right now, they're still a go. So is the Sun Belt, the American, and the Conference USA. So you have six conferences still a go here on August the 14th. Again, that could all change. But if those two if that group makes it to the end of the season, I believe there will be a college football playoff with the four teams getting invited to play, and so it'll probably be an SEC tournament. Well, you might add Clemson. Yeah, you will add Clemson in there, right? Yeah. So let's let's
4: back off. Let's back off the gas pedal on Tim. Let's stop <laughs> ruffling the feathers. It's not Tim's fault. It's not Tim's fault that that's the case. That the that the NCAA has no bearing on the FBS playoff. So. Yeah. Let's uh, let's pipe down <laughs> on Tim on the
1: text line. Oh, come on, Tim. Tim's, you know, he's a fragile soul. we got to take care of him. <laughs> All right, coming up this hour, we've got our weekend preview. Ben's going to give us the lowdown on what we can expect in the sports world over the next couple of days. There's still some things going on. NBA about ready to jump into their playoffs. Major League Baseball's cooking right along. We may even see the Cardinals play maybe this week. We'll have that coming up here in a few minutes. We'll have our weekend review. Josh Hochman's put together a montage of some of the guests we've had on the last five days here on Sports Sunday. We'll look forward to that. And we'll have our our winners and losers of the week. That's coming up this hour. But right now, let's get into the preview.
0: It's time for the weekend preview. The part of the show where we tell you everything you have to watch this weekend.
3: Come in, watch.
0: It'll be a good one. Sometimes we give you good advice. I could watch that all day but we're not perfect. There were times I'm like, this is so dumb. Why am I watching this? It's the Weekend Preview with Ben McLaughlin.
4: When I hear that you say, well, this is so dumb, why am I watching this? I think of, uh, what was it Space Force? The Steve watch it. Come show. on, I'm watching that. No, I thought that pretty much the entire time I watched that show. Did you, watch, did you get through, through the whole thing? Uh, no, I made it through like an episode and a half.
1: Okay, I'm, I'm through that two. It. I'm through two, and two is not real fun. But
4: yeah, I'm done with that. So anyway, <laughs> um, we're not watching uh, Space Force this weekend. We're hopefully watching sports. We'll start first with the Association, and um, there are really two storylines here that that have really popped from the bubble, and uh, one of them being the Phoenix Suns. They go eight and zero while playing in the bubble, and still don't make the playoffs. So really unfortunate. Things happening for Phoenix, and part of the reason why they didn't make the playoffs is the other story, which has been Damian Lillard and the Portland Trail Blazers. Um, Damian Lillard is just going absolutely nuts, uh, averaging like fifty-eight points a game in the last six games, and and just absolutely ripping apart Nets in the bubble. So they'd occupy the eight seed. The Portland Trail Blazers do. And they're playing in the play in game. Yes, a play in game. This is the new addition from uh the the part of the implementation of this season that the NBA put together. How it works, if you're unfamiliar, is since they're kind of expanding the playoffs, the nine seed is gonna get a chance to play their way into the playoffs against the eight seed. So what happens is it's basically the if-necessary scenario of the tournaments. Portland only has to beat Memphis once. So if they take care of business tomorrow at one thirty on ABC, then there's no play-in game Portland advances. However, if Memphis wins tomorrow at 1.30, they'll play again on Sunday for another chance to enter the playoffs. If wow. Memphis beats Portland both times – they're in over the 8 seeds so wow uh, game 1 will be at 1:30 on ABC game 2 if necessary Sunday 3:30 on ESPN is where you can find both of these so these are the only games only game potentially only one game of the NBA this weekend so that's how that's going to work
1: and, and what was it because they didn't get the full 82 games in they put this caveat in there I would say so yeah that and would be it, that's not the case in the east right that, that, that this isn't applying in the east
4: well if it was within if if the nine seed was within four games gotcha. was the, was the was the caveat to it Kay. and obviously in the east there was nobody even close that race was over a long time ago what so. do you,
1: what do you make of phoenix i mean that's pretty impressive oh, man
4: i saw something that the fpi the percentage of them going 8-0 was like .00631%. So it was less than 1% chance that they would go 8-0, and wow. they did. Unfortunately, um, their efforts fell just shy in that regard, and unfortunately they did not make the playoffs. So tough news, tough news there. But, but
1: something to build on. I mean, they, they've got Absolutely. some momentum getting ready to go into next year. Yeah, there's no doubt. So, yeah, really tough news uh, there for um... – uh, Let me ask this. You guys follow us a lot closer than I do. I, I just, I'll just start following the NBA a little bit now that they're in the playoffs. So how many teams are getting sent home from the bubble? Because what were they at and what are they at now? I mean, once this, this play-in thing happens tomorrow, are we going from like 24 to 16 or 22 I think to 16? six teams get sent home, I believe. Okay. I believe. Yeah, so, so tw- we'll, we'll, the, the
4: if-necessary game will obviously send probably Memphis home, and then you're down to the 16 Six, playoff 16. teams. Okay, right. So, and, and there's a the, bunch of games happening tonight. There's there's two finals already, as Tim's been giving you the score. The Thunder and Clippers playing right now, and the Sixers and Rockets will play tonight. So,
1: so the bubble's shrinking.
4: Yes, it is <laughs> deflating. Yeah. Um, so yeah, interesting, interesting stuff. The way that that's going now, to
1: work. I'm totally getting off guard here. on you guys, I, w- there was talk that the teams that weren't invited to the bubble are going to have their own bubble and play some games here in, in a few weeks. Is that true? Are they still going to do that? It was like Golden State and those teams that had awful years. Now I, maybe Tim can look that up for us. But I thought I saw that they were going they were going to have kind of a mini bubble for the, the what would it be eight teams that didn't get to go to the bubble just so they can play something and not be off until whenever they start the next season. Maybe maybe I dreamt that. I I don't know. (laughs) That was a report, but it never
4: finalized. It didn't happen. Okay.
1: All right. Thank you, Tim.
4: I knew he'd find that answer. Yeah. Um, Well, Adrian Wojnarowski put this tweet out eight hours ago. The discussions for the eight teams left out of Orlando restart continue to center Ooh. on in-market workouts starting in okay. September. Okay. Those teams remain anxious for a chance to get back in gym during long hiatus, especially in those summer leagues. So it doesn't sound like a league, but they can go start working out.
1: Well, yeah, that, they've been sitting around since March. Those eight yeah. didn't get a chance to gather back up and play because they weren't even close to the playoffs. That's why they decided to keep them out. But So yep. Dizzy's getting some hotel rooms back. I mean, they have got five teams and six teams after <laughs> this playing thing ends are getting some hotel rooms back. Yeah, go figure yeah. that all right, let's jump into the world of Major League Baseball next, shall we? We have the second place,
4: two and three, St. Louis Cardinals. Hot day. In action against the Chicago White Sox in a doubleheader tomorrow. So the Redbirds back in action against the Pale Palehosers from the Windy City. Apparently, they were all permitted to get a rental car and drive to Chicago <laughs> individually. Yes. Uh, so looking forward to uh, the arrival of all the Cardinals players at U.S. Cellular uh, what, tomorrow against the, uh, against the White Sox.
1: What was the big joke? You might see a big parade of Nissans heading up the <laughs> highway from St. Louis, into or maybe Chicago. some Chevy
4: Sonics if they're lucky. Yes. <laughs> um, Dylan Carlson of St. Louis, uh, their top prospect in their organization, called up. He'll make his debut um, this weekend with St. Louis. You've seen Alec Boehm from yeah. Omaha, Ron Colley, and Wichita State make his debut yesterday. Went one for one for four with a double. Uh, so a lot of prospects starting to get called up now that you have that uh, that period that's gone by where it's not going to count against their their clock their eligibility. Mm-hmm. Yep. So yeah. there you go. Uh, but yeah, Cardinals and White Sox doubleheader. Quick news on Aaron Bummer. Uh, I saw an update today that seems pretty unlikely he's going to pitch again this year um, with the, with a the biceps injury. They didn't give an essence. They've been really hush hush about it, today, but. Uh, they say he's progressing, but I think best case scenario for him would be a September return. And at that point, with the White Sox maybe making the playoffs, I just, I'm just i not sure that, that that's going to
1: happen again for Bummer, which is just terrible because he was Ugh. off to a really good start again this year. Sure was. Back to the Cardinals. Tim, you, are you going to be able to sleep tonight? You have to be so excited <laughs> to watch the Redbirds in action. Um, it's been a rough season so to speak, as a Cardinals they fan. They haven't had a
3: season. Um, it, they went two and three before, <laughs> so they, they were sitting on a losing record for a while, and uh, I don't really know how the logistically that works. They're going to have to play like 16 triple headers probably yeah, in a row to get their bunch. games in, but we'll see how it works out.
4: Tim, how long has it been since you've seen Colton Wong swing back? <laughs>
3: Too long, long time. is the answer. <laughs> I mean, whenever you go a day without Colton Wong <laughs>
1: at the plate, you know you're not having a good day. There's oh, already man. teams. They, they've played five. There are teams that have already played 20 games yeah. and are a third of the way through their season, and the Cardinals are sitting on five games. Wow. The New York, I think it's the New York Mets
4: who are playing their 21st game of the year right now against the Phillies. You're right. So They're 9-11. and 11. You're right. Yeah, and and the first-place team in that division, the Chicago Cubs, are playing their 17th game tonight against the Milwaukee Brewers. And they had, obviously, a couple of games banged because of their division opponents, the St. Louis Cardinals. Um, So, yeah, Brewers and Cubs this weekend as well. Mets, Phillies, as we already laid out. Pirates and Reds, boy, I watched the afternoon game yesterday. Not a good outing for Anthony DiSclefani. If you're one of those few owners that have him in fantasy, you were kicking your chair I think he allowed nine runs and in two innings yesterday, and it was funny listening to the Reds announcers. <laughs> they're just they're they're basically saying, "Well, he, there's nobody warming up in the pen. He's just going to have to sit and wear, wear it. this." He's and they're wearing, yeah. If you've ever listened to the Reds broadcast, you know that they're not shy on holding their feelings in. <laughs> they were pretty quiet there for that second inning while the Pirates were playing merry-go-round. Indians and Tigers going at it this weekend. It's all Cleveland 7-3 in the fourth so far tonight. Marlins and Braves 2-1 Miami so far tonight. And in the middle innings there. So you've got Braves, Marlins in the NL East, the Tampa Bay Rays, and the Buffalo Blue Jays going at it this weekend. Buffalo has been an absolute launching pad. The ball is just (laughs) flying out of that ballpark the last few days. It's... It's pretty funny to watch. Like it's obviously a normal size baseball field, but mm-hmm. the way that it's playing and the way the outfielders are playing. It's just so funny to watch. It's like it's like that day in Bloomington in the Big 10 tournament where everything hit in the air. You're like, "Oh, that's gone." Like yep. you just
1: expect Outta it here. to be a home run. That, that that town really loves minor league baseball. In fact, they made a big push 50, maybe 14, 15 years ago to get a major league team. Ben, they were drawn routinely sixteen, eighteen thousand 18,000 fans to AAA games in Buffalo and I think they were trying to lure somebody to come there. If they do that, they, they, they can't. They gotta. They'd have to obviously upgrade the ballpark that's there now. But also, I don't know that you can even play in Buffalo in April. I not I mean there's usually still mountains of snow hanging around yeah. Buffalo that time of year. Uh, D.C. area
4: series: Nationals and Orioles. They're trying to play one and four ninths games of baseball this weekend according to the uh the, the, the Baltimore Twitter handle they're they're in a rain delay right now so we'll see how that works out but the two DC area teams going at it Mariners and Astros Royals and twins will play another yeah. series in Minneapolis after fresh off the Royals sweeping the twins last weekend Royals at eight and 11 quietly Greg what the heck's yep.
1: going on there after after being three and ten. Yeah. I mean, they've played some good baseball in the last seven or eight days, and, and it's no coincidence they're getting their pitching back. I mean, yeah. they started this thing without Junis or Keller, probably their top two pitchers. They're now back, and you add in the kids and Singer and Bubik, and then Duffy, that's not a bad five they can throw out there. I want to go back to the Orioles a little bit. Aren't you a little surprised that with that game earlier today? They're 11-7. and seven. They're hitting good. the crap out of the ball
4: with a bunch of guys that you've never heard of, Anthony Santander and – And Nunez and um, guys that you know you you haven't heard of that are just going at it right now Hanser Alberto (laughs) and they're all batting about between 300 and 350 so yeah I don't know how long that can keep up in Baltimore but yeah they're they're hitting it right now Uh, Yankees Red Sox this weekend you got Garrett Cole pitching right now Uh, so that's always a good series obviously the Yankees fans disappointed they're not going to be able to, to pack the house and watch their Yankees Red Sox, but they'll have the Fox game tomorrow at 6-15. You have the A's and the Giants out west, Padres and Diamondbacks. Speaking of good offenses, a couple of teams in the NL West are really hitting it. It took a while for Arizona's offense to get going. But Starling and Ketel Marte are both having awesome years they are. for Arizona. And so are the Colorado Rockies. Charlie Blackman is batting about 500 right now, and that's not an exaggeration. I think I looked a couple of days ago. At, yeah, I think it was 476 when I saw him. I know he's gone down yeah. a couple of points, but I mean, he is just absolutely raking right now. The Rangers will play the Rockies at Coors this weekend and uh, finish with uh, a couple of the matchups out in Los Angeles with the Dodgers. And the Angels, uh, Clayton Kershaw will get the ball tonight for the Dodgers. So, uh, some good baseball this weekend. I've I've continued to watch more baseball than I should. I got the Quad Box going right now. Good for you. Uh, yeah, just just lots it, of lots of baseball.
1: You know, I was talking. I asked you about how are you surprised about the Orioles being pretty decent right now? How about the Red Sox at six and thirteen? I mean, are they that yeah, bad? their starting rotation has just
4: taken a beating and and a couple of their bats. Obviously, losing Mookie Betts has been rough uh, for them, but their offense has been really, really tough to get going. Rafael Devers, who had a big year last year, is hitting under 150. It's taken a long time for the uh, Orman rowboat Alex Verdugo to get going, who was a part of that trade. He was the big centerpiece of that trade for Mookie Betts, but he just hit a two-run home run against Garrett Cole Uh, at Yankee Stadium and I think he's got four home runs in the last week so he's starting to get cranked up JD Martinez is having a meh year so it's been a mix between offense and just really bad pitching for the Red Sox it's not overly you pull up their starting five rotation right now and you know you've got Eduardo Rodriguez now shut down for the year it's not surprising to think that their average or their record is pretty bad let's jump into the NHL shall we some matchups this weekend of course all on TV starting at 11 a.m. tomorrow. The Bruins and the Hurricanes. This is Game Three of that series, tied at one apiece. So Boston and Carolina. NBC, where you can find that one at 11 at two o'clock on CNBC. It is Game Three between the Avalanche and the and the Coyotes. Uh, have obviously uh, Colorado the big favorite in this one, uh, with 92 points to Arizona's 74. Entering the playoffs, they're up two nothing in that series. Uh, and then at 6.30 on the NBC Sports Network, you've got Tampa Bay and Columbus Blue Jackets playing really good hockey right now. They obviously uh, pushed Tampa Bay to three overtimes. That series is tied at a game apiece. Game three in that series tomorrow, 6.30. And at 7 o'clock, you have the Vegas Golden Knights and the Chicago Blackhawks. Vegas leads that series two games to none. And you can see where you can find that. So These five. are
1: best, best of fives?
4: Yep, best of five still. So, um, four games on Saturday, and then you turn the page to Sunday. Another busy day. Five games on Sunday. Capitals Islanders at eleven on USA New York one zero in that series. Stars and Flames at one o'clock CNBC. That series is tied at a game apiece, so they're, they'll play. They're playing tonight, and the Vegas Golden Knights Blackhawks will play the if necessary game on uh, on Sunday at five thirty NBC Sports Network flyers canadians at seven on nbc uh that series tied at a game apiece, and the blues and the canucks uh will be game three of that series after today 9 30 p.m on nbc sports network where you can find that so you've got a full slate of hockey both days starting at 11 o'clock uh if you want to check it out uh in that area too so nhl obviously in full swing as their playoffs will continue and wind some uh Wind down and send some teams home. <clears throat> and obviously, great tournament last week in golf with the PGA, the Wyndham Championship in Greensboro, North Carolina. Um, round two in the books today, and leaderboard is not close to what it was last weekend. Um scrolling here, Patrick Reed, Kevin Kisner, probably the biggest names toward the top. Tommy Fleetwood, seven under but just not quite the, the oomph of the, of the field of
1: last week uh, in the golf world. It's the last tournament before the FedEx Cup, so guys are trying to get in at 125 because 125 go on to the FedEx Cup starts next week. Uh, so all the big boys will be back here in the next week or so, but a lot of guys took the week off after the PGA, unless they tried, were trying to improve their standing in the FedEx Cup. Like Kepka was there, he didn't make the cut. Uh, so he'll just go and rest up and get ready for the FedEx, which starts
0: next week. It's the Sports Nightly Week in Review. From Monday night, Nebraska football coach Scott Frost.
7: Uh, If we don't play football, I don't know what happens to eligibility with kids. If we give all our seniors back a year of eligibility, if we don't play football, we're looking at carrying 105 to 110 kids on scholarship for the next four years. Coming off a season and calendar year where our athletic department took an 80 to 100 million, $20 million budget hit. There's no way we can afford to do that. I don't know how we afford to pay for a lot of the things in the athletic department that we're continuing to pay, much less than on the university level. If we don't have football, the entire landscape of college athletics, college football, uh, university systems, the number of sports at universities, that could all be affected. I don't think think very many people have, have really taken a serious look at the aftermath of what all this will look like if universities are forced to, to closet football for the fall.
0: Tuesday night, former Husker Jeremiah Searles.
5: I
7: mean, anytime your head coach goes to bat for
5: you, you're always going to love that. I mean, it was what I loved about Coach Bo when I was there is you knew no matter what, he was always going to go to bat for you, the player. And, I mean, when you have a head coach, that's what you want. You want to make sure that the player is there and the first thing in your foremost, and what Coach Bo always said, and I know Frost echoes this, is like he's there for his players. He knows without his players, he does not have a job. And I think that Scott wants his guys to play. He wants his guys to be able to do the things that they've been working so hard for, especially, I mean, they've been through, I mean, let's face it, they've been through a lot the last three years. I mean, some of these guys, with the Riley staff and the turnover and then all the stuff that's been happening, like this was a big year for the Nebraska program. So hopefully, I mean, we can get going in the spring and get Husker football, but I think that in reality, I don't know if we're going to have any Husker football this fall, which really sucks. So I know the players want to play, and I know the players are excited that Scott would come for them.
0: Brian Christofferson from 24-7 Sports Nebraska. I'll
8: be honest, the last few months I've kind of gone back and forth on this, but what sold me was, they're, these guys want to do it. They train their whole lives for this, you know, for this opportunity to be on this stage. There's high school teachers across the state who are trying to get recognized and recruited, and we don't know if they'll get their season or not. And there's guys like Beyonce Williams and DiCaprio Poodle who are going to be seniors. You know, they're thinking about probably playing at the next level and putting some good stuff on film to help them out. And now that's up in the air. I just feel terrible about all that and what's lost with all of it because I think Jared Lambrick... Scott Frost, chief of staff, had a good point the other day in the letter he said where, you know, I don't know if college football can be the exact same without a season. It's going to be a real test to get back to where we were.
0: From Wednesday night, Dirk Chatelan.
8: I think that he needed to do a better job,
3: not just in transparency and communication, but uh, I think one columnist wrote, you know, he needed to make a case. He needed to make a stronger case for why they were doing this. Uh, it wasn't enough to just sort of dodge and explain, uh, basically to get through an interview with Dave Revson. He needed to make a case for why this was the right thing to do. And I, you know, I am not, I'm not going to criticize anybody based on you know immunology or, or the science of it. But I just think that you know the Big Ten could have handled this in a way that made everybody feel a bit a little bit better about why they were doing what they were doing. Because I just. You know, based on the last seven days, it didn't seem like they understood why they
0: were doing what they were doing.
3: So typically transparency is better, and, and I didn't feel like the Big Ten offered a whole lot of that the last week.
0: Lane Grindle.
8: They've made it work now. They've lost three in a row coming into tonight, but still, uh, the fact that they've been able to win seven games, I think, coming into the day today, even after losing all those games, and I'm not talking about losing them on the field, just losing those games, period, and having to be idle for so long. And, stuck in a hotel in Philadelphia and just snatching up every single player that was on the waiver wire. I mean, somebody's going to write a book about that someday, most likely. Um, I mean, it's going to be a really interesting story to tell, and and I think Don Mattingly, through all of this, has really gained some some additional appreciation from people with how he's handled it and how they've kind of Found a way to keep moving forward and be competitive in spite of all of it. It really is pretty amazing. It's going to be one of the
2: stories of the year when we look back on it.
0: Thursday night, Nebraska athletics director Bill Moose.
2: We felt that if the season was canceled, that we needed to be prepared to look at some options and some alternatives to uh, hopefully play six, seven, eight, nine, maybe ten games with opponents outside of the Big Ten. And uh, as you know, and our fans know, uh, that that was not permissible. Primarily, I feel, Greg, because the season really wasn't canceled. It was postponed. And that means that hopefully we're going to play in the spring or sometime uh, after the first of the calendar year. And uh, that would have made it uh, difficult to still play a a series of non-conference games in the fall and then come back and play a conference season uh, in the spring. At least that's how the conference felt. It wasn't how Scott and I felt. And, you know, at the end of the day, we are proud members of the Big Ten. It's a prestigious conference, and we will be in compliance, but we thought all the way until actually yesterday that we might have a chance to do that.
0: Former Husker Brendan Stein
2: perceptions reality, right? I think people start to talk and whisper, you know, and just start to assume that was never mentioned once, not once by us, not once by Bill Moose, not once by Scott Frost. The only thing that was mentioned was the possibility of, you know, creating a situation where we get to play. And if there's other schools out there, what's wrong with that? You know, the the thing that I don't get about all this is why pull the plug now? Why not let these kids go through camp and make sure that they're in an environment to where, you know, you're testing you're beta testing to see if it can, if it can work. I mean, the SEC, the ACC, big 12, they're all going to move forward. And I'm sure if something outbreaks that is you know, unforeseeable and you can't control, then you've got to mitigate it. you got to postpone it even further.
0: Teddy Greenstein.
2: I think it's
8: very, very unlikely. You know, the only one that I liked hearing was from a coach who said, let's do it this way. Don't think of it as a separate spring season with a postseason. Think of it as maybe, what if we could play six games in the spring and then 10 games in the fall and it's kind of split seasons? Because the concept that you're going to start having, you know, bowl games and a playoff and a championship that go into May, I I just don't think any of it's feasible. And I wouldn't want to then say, okay, well, then we're going to start the fall season in October. I mean, I want to have a really good, awesome fall season that starts around Labor Day. So, you know, if you want to try to pull off six games and get creative and do it in domes and have double headers and triple headers with all of the Big Ten teams here, maybe that's feasible, but I still have my doubts. But this concept that you're going to, you know, play a whole slew of games, I think is ridiculous.
1: That is our Week in Review put together by Josh Hocum Busy Week. In a lot of ways, a sad week with the cancellation of the college football season for the Big Ten for the fall. Here we are, Sports Island Friday night. Thank you so much for spending a part of your launch into the weekend with us here tonight. We're seven days away. From some high school football. Is that correct, boys? I know there's only like a handful of games next Friday night, but is is that right, Tim? That's correct. I think there's four games on Friday, I believe. Wow. They just started practice on Monday. That's quick. (laughs) Yeah. Get going by next Friday, but ah, good for them. That's, That's great. I'm glad that's going on. Uh, you know, if, if we sat here and rattle off all the sports things that have gone on over the last couple of months, I think it might surprise you. And maybe we'll, maybe we'll dive into that next week. Time for this week's uh, winners and losers. Ben, you want to lead us off? Man, so many losers to choose from.
4: I was kind of being hoping I'd be the third to pick the loser of the week. Um, man, which one do I go with? I'll just throw an umbrella over it and go national media. Just a brutal week for those for people. yeah not not fans of of really any of those people uh, right now. Pat Forty, I'm talking to you. Desmond Howard, Pete Thamel. Uh, I mean, the list kind of goes on. I, those are the ones that stick in my mind right
1: now. God, Dan Walken. I'm, um, I'm, I'm, yeah, you. I'm glad you brought that up because during the break, I got an email from Kevin who said that he's surprised we've not commented about the John Deere. Cut. We have. We talked a yeah, lot about that. The I other even night. put a tweet out about it. Yeah. So it is um, offensive. Yeah. He goes. That's offensive. You're right. It is. It's terrible.
4: Yeah. Those guys can go kick rocks. I mean, that's a that that's such a tired thing to say too. You I mean? I'm surprised he didn't mention hanging out in cornfields or covered wagons too. So yeah, you guys are you guys are awful. Uh, this might be the only time I'm ever going to uh, to to give a winner to the state of Iowa, or in particular to the Hawkeye. Uh, related situation in Iowa City, but my winner are the Iowa parents that, yeah. that wrote that letter and sent it into the commissioner um, and, and kind of backing what Nebraska believes as well. So I never thought I'd I, I'd want to lock arms with the black and gold, but um, it seems like they're they're on the same wavelength as we are here in Nebraska and, and happy for those parents to stick up for their kids and uh, and, and want to play football. So winners for them, them, yeah, awesome.
1: Tim Curran.
3: Well, uh, losers, I could only really echo what Ben had to say. I mean, maybe if I wanted to single out Desmond Howard in particular for even doubling down, he tweeted out like the Michael Jackson moonwalking after Ronnie Green and Ted Carter released that statement. It's like, that's not walking back. They're just <laughs> reaffirming that he never wanted to leave the Big Ten in the first place. But anyway, uh, in terms of winners, I guess this also kind of coincides with losers. I mean, how about Jeff Brom coming up with his own clever spring football plan? Now, I'm not a huge fan fan of that idea but like the fact that jeff brahm is actually the one that's coming up with an actual workable solution instead of the you know commission himself is is kind of surprising but hey good
1: for jeff brahm for actually coming up with something so he's my winner of the week yeah no doubt i don't think it's the right plan but it's a start maybe at least he's trying to forward think and say okay how can we make the best out of this deal
4: it's a well thought out black and white plan right
1: yeah like a lot of plans, you put things out there and you have to really massage. Everything has to be massaged. We massage a lot of stuff that we do on our program that mm-hmm. isn't quite right when we start. That's the way you, you get to to a final result that's good. My winner, Scott Frost, baby. I love the passion he had in that press conference on Monday. I'm glad he said that. Nebraska went down fighting for this thing. They were fighting for their football team. Good for Scott Frost in Nebraska. He's my winner. My loser, I'm surprised you guys didn't go here. My loser is Kevin Warren. I was and hoping I, somebody would take take that. And I'm with you, Ben. I agree. I don't. I'm not sure how you. I don't know how he digs out of that. I really don't. I don't know. I don't know that you can crawl out of that hole, and I don't know that I want him to. And anybody who thought he did a nice job there, Pat Forty. Man, you need to reanalyze yourself in that deal. Good stuff there in our winners and losers. We got another hour to go. Don't come, Don't go away.